0: Morning everyone, it is such a privilege and a joy as always to be with you today and the exciting news is that we're hoping that all of our sites will be open very soon. There's some that'll start meeting together, uh, possibly even this weekend, and then as we just get to grips with the government regulations, we'll start to open up the other ones, and we just can't wait to be together in a slightly bigger context. We've been meeting in homes, but we, we can't wait for more as well. So stay tuned, we'll send out information as that happens. And another quick plug, uh, you would have seen uh, if you're on our WhatsApp list or on the email list, you would have seen an invite from Right Now Media. And uh, if you haven't and you're on the list, please do check your spam or your junk folder. But uh, we signed up as a church to Right Now Media, and it is full, jam packed with incredible, uh, godly digital content for all walks of life for uh, from bible studies to um, for teens to kids things to watch and our real heart is is we want to see you engaging with God and filling your minds with great material in the rest of the week outside of church hours and so it comes with an app uh, free download it's our gift to you as a church so uh, so please if you haven't received it send one to the office and we can of course sign you up as well. Um, But I I just want to encourage you what a brilliant tool to grow in our faith with amazing content. So I really want to give that a plug. So uh, today we, um, uh, Ian last week did baptism and then today I'm going to talk a little bit about what's the big deal about the Lord's Supper Next week, uh, Trevor Loudon has a one-off message and then we're gonna be starting a new series after that on epic themes of the Bible and we cannot wait for that as well. So as I, just before I pray, uh, if you are uh, in a home or in a, in a small group or at one of the sites, uh, I would love you to uh, just be prepared at the end of the message for us to take the Lord's Supper together so you can get uh, some bread or biscuits, something to symbolize that as I've got down here, you can get uh, some wine or juice or something to symbolize that as well and uh, I'll guide us through that at the end after we've spoken on it. But I would love to pray and then we will dive into what the Lord has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the fact that by you coming down to earth and dying for us, paying the price for our sin, we have an opportunity now through what you did to have our sins forgiven, to enjoy life with you now and to look forward to an eternity in perfection with you forever. And I pray that as we go through this message, looking at what's the big deal about the Lord's Supper, I pray that you would touch a chord in our hearts, that Holy Spirit, you would infiltrate our minds and our spirits this morning, that we would be changed, inspired, and encouraged. In your beautiful, precious name we pray, amen. Great, so question, have you ever seen something that appeared really mundane and ordinary but then when you saw it in its proper context it suddenly took on immense value uh, in the midlands meander in south africa outside peter Madsburg, there is the nelson mandela capture site now at that site there are a bunch of metal objects sort of metal poles that are stuck into the ground and as you drive past it from along the road that's all that it looks like. You see it from a distance, you can see it from above, you can see it from many different angles, and it looks like it's just a bunch of steel structures stuck into the ground. But, if you are to stand in a very specific place, from a very specific perspective, and you look at all of these steel uh, structures joined together, suddenly it becomes a silhouette of Nelson Mandela's face, and any other angle it just looks like a random pile of junk but from this one place from the correct perspective they become a powerful reminder of a man who had a great impact they could have just been bits of metal stuck together but from the right perspective they take on immense value and I want to say that the Lord's Supper can easily be seen as some pieces of metal not really taking on a huge amount of value. Not too interesting, something you just do, you go through the motions, I might do it at boarding school that I'm at, I might do it in church, but it doesn't really have a huge value. Today, when the Lord's Supper communion takes on its proper perspective, you will see the glory and wonder of what it means. Because the Lord's Supper is a huge deal when seen from the proper perspective perspective and it's something that we should embrace and take regularly as family of believers I love Spurgeon's quote when he says I think the moments we are nearest to heaven are those we spend at the Lord's table I'll say that again I think the moments we are nearest to heaven the moments we feel closest to King Jesus are those we spend at the Lord's table together so today we're going to look at four simple points Firstly, what is the Lord's Supper? Secondly, why is it important to us? Thirdly, is our attitude when we take the Lord's Supper of importance? And finally, when and where should it take place? So let's read from one Corinthians eleven, verse twenty three to twenty eight to get us started. So this is what it says one Corinthians eleven, twenty three to twenty eight. For I received from the Lord the Lord's death until he comes whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup so that uh, is from 1 Corinthians 11 and we'll refer back to that in a short bit so first one what is the Lord's supper Well, it's spoken of as a physical event in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as well as the letter of 1 Corinthians, which we just looked at now. And Jesus further speaks of the spiritual significance of the Lord's Supper in the Gospel of John. It's also often called communion, Communion or the Lord's Supper is often used interchangeably and that's because communion comes out of the chapter before 1 Corinthians 10 where it talks about partaking, communing with the Lord as we take his supper or this meal. So the first time the Lord's Supper ever took place was on the night Jesus was to be betrayed which was during the Feast of unleavened bread when the passover meal took place and this is incredibly significant because of what jesus was about to do he was it was purposeful it was it was his timing to uh, be be crucified at this exact moment as the jewish people were celebrating this meal and this feast so the passover meal was a reminder to the israelites of the day that they were stuck in egypt and the angel of death passed over their homes and their homes were covered with the blood of a sacrificed lamb that they painted on the doorposts and the angel of death as it passed over their homes it saw this blood sacrifice and uh, and and the angel of death said okay that's God's people um, I'm going to pass over but all of the egyptian homes that didn't have the blood of the lamb the firstborn was killed it was the final step in in Pharaoh finally letting the Jewish people the Israelites free and so the Passover was instituted by the Lord for the Israelites that they would always remember and always proclaim always share what God had done for future generations so that's that's the history of the passover meal and exodus 12 verse 14 shares this a bit uh, this was the instruction to the israelite people it says this day shall be for you a memorial day so you must remember what i did in egypt and you shall keep it as a feast to the lord throughout your generations as a statute forever you shall keep it as a feast and when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, this is now jumping a little bit further, Exodus 12, 25, when you come to the land, the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, hey, what do you mean by the service? Meaning, what do you mean by uh, the Passover and, and this feast? Why are we doing this? You will say to them, you will proclaim just what Jesus was saying to the disciples. It is the sacrifice of the lord's passover for he passed over the houses of the people uh, of israel and egypt when he struck the egyptians but spared our houses so you see that what jesus is now saying to his disciples mirrors it makes new this covenant this promise of god for the israelite people you see the problem with the mosaic covenant that was made by god with israel is that it was constantly broken by the Israelites because of their sin it was constantly broken and so they were were permanently coming back and saying God we know that you've promised to to cover over our sin We, we we've said we're not going to do it again but we need to sacrifice again to make payment for the sin over and over the amazing thing is what Jesus was instituting with his disciples the the Passover that the Lord's Supper that he was instituting during Passover is a new and permanent Passover promise we remember that there's been an even greater and more powerful exodus in a sense for us from egypt look at this in colossians 1 verse 3 it says he the stream of jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son so just as the israelite people were pulled out of egypt transferred out of slavery into Um, a new nation for themselves into freedom Jesus has done this in a greater sense he's pulled us out of the kingdom of darkness by dying for us on the cross and rising again and brought us into the kingdom of light so Jesus made payment for all the sins of God's people past present and future when Jesus was talking with his disciples when he was sharing with them what we just read about take this bread as my body take this blood this wine as my blood And as he was commanding the disciples, he was saying, now all of us, as we do this together, as we eat the bread that symbolizes body on the cross, and we drink the cup that symbolizes his bloodshed for our sin in remembrance of him. What we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, we know that you are the complete fulfillment of those promises past. You're doing it 100% for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Instead of a lamb, for everyone you know that was sort of painted and they all had a different lamb you are the lamb that is paying the ultimate price of our sin and making us right with God and as we do that it's why in that passage it says we're proclaiming we're telling people that this is true we're telling people that this happened once and for all so as Christ followers we believe that the body and blood of Christ is present with us symbolically and spiritually as we take the Lord's supper as we are believing people where Christ follows as we partake and we have the bread together and we drink the wine together we are seeing our faith strengthened we're growing our friendship with Jesus and we're feeding our souls we're going to talk about that just a bit now where we spiritually God does something significant in our hearts when we take communion so that's the what that's the what is it that we're doing But why is it important? Why is it so special? Why do we make this a priority and want to do it all the more as Harvest Church? Well, firstly, it helps us to remember the price Jesus paid for our sin. Because it happened a long time ago, we weren't there physically, but even in Jesus' time, he knew that he was about to die. He was saying, you need to do this because you are going to forget the price that I have paid for you. You see, Jesus gave his life as a deliberate and a purposeful sacrifice for our sin. His body was broken horrifically. I won't go into all the details. You can watch it on movies. But what he went through was absolutely horrific, his body, and his blood was shed and absolutely poured out for us. And so we celebrate, we remember that by his grace, he has purchased life for us and saved us from an eternity in hell. That is what he did on the cross. That is the core of what he did on the cross is that he purchased eternal life for us and saved us from an eternity in hell, absolutely separated from God. So when, why is it important? Um, why do we remember what Jesus did? It's because we celebrate that in our midst is the risen Lord Jesus Just as the disciples had Jesus in person with them then, we in a sense have him in person with us because he lives within us and he is in our midst through the power of the Holy Spirit. Taking the Lord's Supper points us to a day when we will eat and drink with Jesus in heaven because the dead of our sin has been removed. The only way that we will meet Jesus one day and we will live with him in heaven is because of the cross. We need to remember that. And that is why, When it comes to communion, the primary focus, the primary thing that needs to be in the forefront of our minds when we take the bread and wine is that we remember the immense price paid for our mess, our depravity on the cross. Anything less, if there's any other focus in our hearts when we take communion, we are minimizing our sin. We're minimizing the weight of our sin. We're sort of going. It doesn't really matter that much, Jesus. I'm taking communion for other reasons and other benefits, but but what you did for my sin, ah, it's not that important. No, it is the most important reason we take communion. It is why Jesus had to come and die for there to be any hope for us. So that's the most important. Why is it important? It reminds us of the price paid for our sin. Secondly, it reminds us of our standing before God. You see, the Lord's Supper is a permanent covenant promise. It confirms for us that the Lord, through Jesus, um, now has perfect relationship with us. That he said, because of Jesus, you can have relationship with me. You can have friendship with me. What Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden, when they decided to go their own way, when they lost that close friendship with God, through what Jesus did on the cross, we have the opportunity to enter God's presence again, for in a sense to sit around his table for a meal. Imagine Jesus just going like, uh, uh, because I've died for you on the cross, you guys are welcome. Come join me for a meal. Come hang out with me. Come spend time with me. I don't see sin in you anymore. The price has been paid. We can be close together. We can hang out. We can have a meal just like Jesus had with his disciples on that night. So we experience his presence in a profound way when we acknowledge and embrace this invitation to be part of his table, this invitation to sit down with him. What a privilege to be called children of God, to be able to say, Daddy, to be able to run and give God a hug in a sense, for him to be our father and for Jesus to be our closest friend. It's one of the privileges we have because of being part of the family of God and we we think on this. This is why taking communion is so important. What else? Two more. We experience community through Jesus. You see, when we unite around Jesus as a group of people from different backgrounds, different interests, different uh, niggles, different quirks, differences, when we come together in communion and we unite around Jesus, something special happens. It builds community here on earth. It's a family activity that only Christ followers can partake in. And as we together remember and we proclaim and we partake, there's a closeness that comes. I love taking communion in a in a group, in a church family, because just something happens. There's a weightiness in the room. There's something powerful, something special when we take communion. And I trust that will happen as you take communion after this message. As we take on. Uh, look at communion we take on the humility and the sacrifice of Jesus we 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 can't help but it as we focus on him. we can't help but take this on we take on his character and then we see our brothers and sisters in Christ in the same light it joins us and unifies us together and so we really need to examine ourselves before we take the Lord's Supper each time to see if we're truly imitating Jesus to see if we're truly laying down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is why Paul was so frustrated with the Corinthian church. You can read before and after. It, the reason why he was so frustrated is because the Corinthian church was sort of using the Lord's Supper as a means to sh- sort of show that I'm a little bit better than you. And some were having better food at the Lord's Supper. Uh, maybe instead of, you know, wine and just bread, they were adding other things. And then there was poor people who didn't have that. They were using this as a means to sort of go, I'm more important. Absolutely destroying the whole point of us being family together finally why is this it important it's because the blessings of christ flow as a result of the cross there are immense blessings that flow as we partake in the lord's supper you see it gives us a spiritual nourishment it builds us up from the inside out and as we take communion god pours something specially into our hearts by faith he pours it in he pours in his grace he pours in his encouragement into our lives And and it's sort of God's design to build this excitement for the world that's to come. To build this excitement uh, in us for his second coming. It's amazing in 1 Corinthians 10, if you went back where the word communion comes from, it says, Paul says something interesting. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body for we all partake of the bread. And so from this passage Paul's trying to get across the point that there's something spiritually that happens together when we take communion. It's not just a physical event, it's a spiritual event. And because our bodies are spirit, because not our bodies are spirit, because we are a spirit, we now partake in something spiritual. We take into our lives what happened on the cross. And so by faith we enjoy the benefits of what Jesus purchased when his body was broken and his blood was shed. We receive the promises of God accomplished through Christ. Every benefit, every gift, true friendship, it is ours. It's a promise that we receive because of what Jesus did. So just think on a few. Peace with God, peace with the Lord, abounding joy, hope for eternity, freedom from fear, wisdom when we don't know what to do healing from sickness strength to overcome temptation and more these things that jesus purchased on the cross by faith we have access to we can receive because of the work done on the cross but there is something that we need to take note of we need to remember there is a unique difference between these blessings that flow from the cross and salvation salvation Jesus saving us from our sin there's a difference between the two you see salvation at the point of the cross Jesus dying and rising again and us receiving salvation from him giving our lives to him that is absolute that is complete that is instant and that is final as we receive it from Christ once you become saved once you move from being dead to being alive it is done and dusted heaven is your home nothing's going to change that it's received in its fullness now at the point of receiving Jesus accomplished on the cross and nothing will get in the way of that but the blessings that we receive other than that from the cross they are a foretaste they're a seeing in part they're a demonstration of God's kingdom that will be fully realized when Jesus comes back And there's a new heaven and the earth, but we get a taste of it now. We get a glimpse of it now. So when Jesus came and when he died and when he was resurrected, he gave us a vivid picture of what to look forward to in the new heaven and the new earth. The blessings that flow, um, how he brought about his kingdom, the things that came about as a result, that was him saying, guys, this is just a taste. Yes, you're, you're still living on earth. Yes, it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect, but just wait. This is a little bit of a glimmer of what you can look forward to. And it's so important we get this because it can easily be misunderstood. And if we misunderstood, misunderstand the timing of these blessings and the fullness of these blessings, it can lead to guilt, it can lead to fear, it can lead to anxiety, it can lead to confusion and so many other complications in our minds and hearts if we don't understand this correctly. You see, we will experience, as I shared earlier, peace with God, joy, victory, healing as a result of Christ's work on the cross, but not in complete fullness in this lifetime. We will never receive it completely um, as a result of God's work on the cross in this lifetime. And we know that. How do we know that? Will all of us keep battling with sin, right? All of us have sin in our hearts and we will battle that Because of that in our hearts for our whole lifetimes. The frailty of our bodies. We're getting older. We're losing hair. We get stiffer in the morning than we used to. The moment that we are born, in a sense, we are dying. Our bodies are frail. The death that we will experience, that we won't escape. We can't get younger. We are getting older. Why? Because we don't see Jesus' work done on the cross in its absolute fullness now. But we will in everything other than salvation so we have glimmers and sparks of this new kingdom that we celebrate and we pray for i love seeing god's kingdom come on earth i love seeing people healed i love seeing people set free from addiction i love seeing people living at peace i love seeing god's kingdom come on earth now and we pray for it and we go after it but we need to have an understanding that the fullness is what we wait for the ultimate celebration to come the ultimate final supper The celebration supper is to come. And I call it the beautiful discomfort. I call it the beautiful discomfort. The now and not yet that we live in the middle. So let's look, for example, physical healing as an example. We could look at all of them. Some peace, not all peace. We could look at um, some freedom, not all freedom. We can look at those sorts of things. But let's look at physical healing as an example. Now Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2 explain that we receive the blessing of forgiveness and physical healing through the cross. The primary focus of the, both of those um, passages is forgiveness. That's the primary one. It's our sin that is being defeated by Jesus. But there is physical healing that we, we have access to that is brought about as a result of Jesus purchasing the redemption of our lives on the cross as well. But when it comes to healing and peace and all of these other things, the question is, when do we receive healing, like we receive 100% salvation. Is it fully now or is it fully soon? Do we receive fully perfect 100% ultimate healing of our physical bodies now or is it when we have our new bodies for all eternity? When will our bodies no longer be enslaved by corruption, by decay? And the Apostle Paul really understood this. He got to grips with this. And in fact, in Romans 8, verse 23 to 24, he says, We ourselves have the first, having the first fruits of the Spirit, we're Christians. We are followers of Jesus. Even we ourselves groan in ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. It's not going to happen now on earth. We're waiting for it, for in hope we have been saved. He says at other places, Um, when he's writing that our tent is temporary that he says our bodies are fading we're perishable but soon we'll put on the the imperishable what's he getting across we can experience some healing now we can experience God doing a work in our bodies now but never in fullness because all of us will die and will have new bodies there will be a day when we have perfect unfading bodies no more disease no more death no more aging But not yet when John the Baptist was in prison about to be beheaded Jesus sent a message It said go and tell John that what you see and hear the blind receive their sight the lame walk The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them And blessed is he who takes no offense at me Why would people possibly be offended at Jesus for doing those sorts of things who would possibly be offended Because of Jesus bringing about his kingdom Well, it could have been John because John wasn't going to be saved. John was about to be beheaded and Jesus wasn't going to intervene in that process. But guess what? There would be other disappointments because no one would receive permanent healing that Jesus healed. Everyone who Jesus healed was going to die. But also there were many that wouldn't be raised from the dead. Many in his time that weren't raised from the dead. Many wouldn't be healed in that time. Why? Because Jesus was bringing a taste of his kingdom. Some would be raised from the dead, but others will be raised from the dead when Jesus returns. It was the ushering in of the long-awaited kingdom, the ushering in, not the completeness, a foretaste. The first coming of the Messiah was not the redemption of this age that we live in. Jesus showed he had the power to heal and raise the dead, and that one day, all would be healed and all would live in eternity. He was giving us a taste. He was saying, guys, this is a taster of what you can experience for all eternity. But the benefits purchased in the cross can be enjoyed now, just not as fully as salvation. So God does heal the sick and answer our prayers. And we pray with faith in that regard. I love to see his kingdom break out on earth. I love to see people physically healed. I know that they will ultimately still die, but I love to see them physically healed now. Why? Because it demonstrates to a dying and broken world that Jesus is who he said he is. Some are healed partially, some are healed slowly, some are healed instantly, but it's not always the case. And Jesus has not promised that it will always be the case. He hasn't promised that. Some are not healed and it's not because they didn't muster up enough faith. There's many examples in scripture of Jesus healing people purely because he had compassion. They didn't have any faith at all, but he he healed because he had compassion. I love in Mark 2 verse 8 to 12 Jesus actually shows the purpose of his physical healing in many respects because what he says is he said to the people there who are asking and stuff and he was talking to them about what's easier to say to a lame person get up and walk or to say your sins are forgiven but he said well so that you believe I can forgive sins I'm going to tell him get up and walk and he gets up and walk what was Jesus getting across in that passage he was getting across the fact that the healing of people physically is a demonstration that he could do something more powerful, which is forgiving sins. And so he, he brought about his kingdom on earth to point people to the even greater issue in their lives, which is seeing themselves healed from their sin, that he had authority to, to defeat our greatest giant. So when it comes to the work of Christ on the cross, we must not m- minimize his primary work of defeating the depths of our sin. guaranteed not 98% not 95% the work that he did on the cross 100% guaranteed that our sins are forgiven and we must not minimize that primary work in favor of earthly betterment that we will receive in some measure and we mustn't try to force into this age that which is actually only going to be seen fully in the next we can't force into this age 100% healing 100% peace 100% victory we aim for those things we go after those things but we can't force them into this age as if we're going to see them 100% because we won't Jesus hasn't promised that and I believe we see this in the general flow of scripture what Jesus spoke how he lived what's written in the Bible as well so we need to ensure that we take the Lord's Supper that and as we do that our ultimate focus is on Christ's death and resurrection when you come together in your family when you come together as church that's the ultimate focus that is why you take the Lord's Supper and communion and there are of course a multitude of other blessings that we pray for as a result that flow from the cross for us to enjoy that we trust for and what a great opportunity as we take communion to pray for healing to pray for freedom from uh, addiction to pray for peace we pray for all those things because those flow From the cross. But at the forefront of our minds is to be the promise of salvation through faith because that is why Jesus had to come and die. So, last two things very quickly and then I'll close off. Is our attitude important? Well, this is really interesting. At the end of Corinthians passage that we read, there's a verse about people who didn't have the attitude of Jesus during the Lord's Supper and were taking it selfishly, proud arrogant I'm better than you and they were taking this almost to display that now to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy flippant manner is to sin against the body and blood of the Lord and such was the weight of this now you must check this out such was the weight of this that people were actually falling ill and dying because of taking communion in the wrong way they were falling and dying because they were bringing judgment on themselves from the Lord And they were falling sick and dying. And what Paul addresses to these people, um, it says over here, um, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly and we um, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So these people were falling ill and dying by bringing this judgment on themselves. And this was to show, and it should show us the true value of Jesus's body and his blood, the true value of taking the Lord's Supper and how much Jesus cares about the special moment. So bottom line, the Lord's Supper is hugely important. And I think God was so trying to get those churchgoers attention. He was trying to say, wake up. They had to be disciplined in some senses, but it was to say, guys, wake up. This is incredibly powerful. This is important. This is about your sin being paid for. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. You aren't better than any others. Fix your eyes on me. We take the Lord's Supper with sincerity. We want to focus our minds on Jesus as if he was right here with us, as he was with the disciples on that night. When we take communion, we want to imagine with our minds. We want to say, Lord Jesus, you are here with us because he is. We want to take communion with a pure heart it isn't something playful. It isn't something we just say, oh, we're having a bride with our mates. Uh, guys, we've got some burgers and cokes. Let's just take communion here and just grab a bite of burger. Let's just chug some coke. Oh, brilliant. We took communion together because, you know, the burger symbolizes the bread and, you know, our coke symbolizes, uh, symbolizes the wine. No, communion is precious. It's holy. It's considered. It's something we do and, and we realize the weight of our sin as we take communion. So, so our attitude should be of that. Finally, when and where should we take the Lord's Supper? Well, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 22 to 34, in that passage that we've looked at and beyond, it mentions coming together five times. This demonstrates that the expectation both of Jesus and the early church is that the Lord's Supper was something that we took together as the body of Christ. Now the body of Christ is obviously anyone who are believers together but you see the picture that it was usually more than just one or two more than individuals usually more than family it was usually the body of Christ it was was usually a, a real coming together of differences uniting together around the Lord's supper. So is it bad to do it as a family, an individual? No, not at all. And in fact, in, the, in this digital time, we've, that's, that's, what we've, that's what we've been doing. We want to remember what Jesus has done regularly. But as we get meeting together more and as there's life groups happening and those sorts of things, there's something powerful, something immensely special when we do it together. So we want to take the Lord's Supper with others and often. But if life circumstances dictate something different, maybe you're in an old age home by yourself, maybe for some reason you don't have people around, well, of course you can take communion, you can embrace Jesus and what he's done for you. But if you can, doing it together is even more special. It's a wonderful gift for the family of God. And so finally, the Lord's Supper should only be taken as believers in Christ. Paul's clear about that. Why? Well, someone who doesn't know Jesus can't remember what jesus has done for them and can't proclaim that he's died and raised again and is returning because they don't know yet their lives haven't been changed and so communion community is most definitely for people who would call themselves christ followers and so today as i close i want to pray for twofold number one maybe you're going well i know i'm not a believer i know jesus hasn't saved me from my sin I want to pray for you right now you can give your life to Christ and then guess what you're part of the family and you can get stuck into communion because you can remember that right now this moment he's paid for your sin and he's coming back again so I'm going to pray and then we're going to take communion together in our groups as well Lord Jesus thank you for what you did for us on the cross and right now if you're watching this if you're listening if you're at a site or or you're alone and you know that you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never asked him to transform your life. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sin that made him come to earth and pay a great sacrifice for us. If you've never done that, you can do that right now. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you came to earth and you paid the ultimate price for my sin on the cross. Right now, I say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Please come into my life. Please make me a new creation. Please make me a Christian, a Christ follower. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I am now part of your family, that I can have a relationship with you now, and that I can experience a relationship with you for all eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that right now this morning, you have become part of the family of God, get in touch with us, chat to us, get hold of us through the website or through WhatsApp because we wanna help you on your journey. And guess what, if you've just done that now, well, you can join us for communion. So I have this done beautifully by Don Percival. Thank you. Guys, check this out. Beautiful, eh? Thanks so much, Don, for that. So uh, we want to take communion together. And uh, if you haven't got yourself prepped, you can obviously pause and you can do this together. But what what, what we want to do together right now, and I'm trusting that people are doing this in groups, we're going to be able to do it all the more, is we want to afresh look to Christ in this very moment. And so... As I close, I'll just um, read afresh from it, which this beautiful wind has has taken me across. But never fear, I will get there quickly. Right, 1 Corinthians 11. And this is what we're going to do together. Right, this is what it says. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread And when he, so when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so I'm gonna pray and then you can have this together as we just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your body broken for us, broken so that we can experience life with you. We can experience the blessings that flow from the cross. We can experience your healing on earth and so many other things. We wanna say thank you for that great sacrifice. So Lord Jesus, thank you for your body broken for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. If you, wanna, if you wanna pray together or get into groups or get into circles and pray for each other and pray as you receive this, this body together, you can do that as well. But Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this, your body broken for us. We want to remember you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. We want to remember that. The same way he also took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. There was the old covenant that continued to need to, it was broken and had to be redone. This is the new covenant in my blood. Sin paid for once and for all. Do this. And as often as you drink it, which we're going to do it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Lord Jesus, as we take this as a symbol of your blood, Father, thank you that your blood was shed so that we can be right with you. You were the ultimate sacrifice. We get to live with you now and look forward to the day when you return, to when we drink with you and eat with you for all eternity in perfection we want to thank you for your blood shed for our sin once and for all thank you lord jesus oh i love it i love it and i want to us to be doing it more and more as a church you can keep praying if you want to in your groups don't feel you have to finish this early it's a special moment Uh, but I've just absolutely loved us diving into and exploring more and more the weight and depth and beauty and blessing that flows from the Lord's Supper and about it being a big, big deal. And so I want to say well done for for connecting in. So good to be together as a family. We'll continue to update you on sites that are opening when and where, and we can invite our friends to it. And we want to see Harari and we want to see friends and family part of the beautiful family of God. We wanna see them just as what Jesus did at the Lord's Supper and was about to do on the cross. We wanna see that happen in many other people's lives. So thanks so much for being with us. I know it was a bit longer than usual, but, but, but so, so special to go through. And uh, we can't wait to see you next week. So have an absolutely brilliant rest of your day. Bye for now.